May the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. <coughs> Swimsuit season isn't for another five months. I can have another dessert, right? I don't really feel like exercising today. I'll get a workout in tomorrow. You all know how thinking like that turns out, right? No one's broken into a car on our block this whole year. I'm sure it's safe for me to leave everything unlocked. My dogs are, are resting so nicely there on the ground. It won't be a problem for me to set this plate of food down and go use the restroom. It'll all be here when I get back. Yeah, no. We know better than that, right? You know the danger of getting lulled into a false sense of security, right? Just because something is going one way... And, and, and things are happening like they, they have happened, it, it can be a danger to let our guard down, right? To just assume that they'll keep going and get lulled into that, well, sense of less than vigilance. That can be dangerous. That's God's message for us here in our text from Second Peter 3 that you just heard read. So let me set it up by taking you to a flashback of a conversation happening in the town square using a picture that Peter uses in the verses just before our text. Are you ready for this? Shalom, Ahmed. Did you hear Benjamin's son is married today? The, the feast begins soon. Yes, Bartholomew, I am so excited. The fattened calf has already been slaughtered and, and the, the wine and the grapes and the olives will be plenteous. My mouth waters already. What was that? Did you just spit on me? You know that mouth-watering thing supposed to be a figure of speech, buddy. No, it's water from the sky. I, I felt it too. And now it's coming up from the ground. There's water everywhere. I can't swim. Hey, is that Noah's ark going by? We thought he was crazy. You mean he was right? Help! Okay, scene. I don't know about you, but I would not have wanted to be in that conversation, right? In the verses just before our text, Peter reminds us of unbelievers like Bartholomew and Ahmed and Abinadab or whoever else I, I named in that, in that scene at the time of the flood. God had given them promises. Through Noah, he told them that he was going to destroy the world if they didn't repent. But the world just kept going on. And so they didn't live according to what those promises said. They lived according to what they saw, and that did not turn out well for them. So now Peter says that same thing is happening now. God has given promises that, that he is coming again, that the end of the world is coming. You hear the Advent theme in there? The king is coming. And all too many people are completely ignoring that promise. And so Peter starts with an explanation. Let's listen to what he says. Let's listen to his encouragement to remember that the king is coming, to remember these promises God has made. And, and so he starts with this explanation. At, at the time of his writing, it had been about three decades since Jesus had left. He ascended into heaven. He said he was coming back, but he still wasn't back. 
and there were scoffers mocking Christians saying, what, where is he? I thought he was coming. Maybe he forgot. So now here we are, 199 decades later, and Satan is still giving those same thoughts, tempting with those same ideas. Oh, he's not coming back. Everything's going like everything's always gone. Time's just going to keep rolling. You should live like that. And the temptation is for us to get lulled into this false sense of security and to view things only from this world's perspective, forgetting that, yes, Jesus is coming soon. And so Peter reminds us that God isn't bound by time the way that we are. So his definition of soon and ours might be very different, right? Because he is outside of time. He's at every point of time, at every point of time. So for him, a day, a thousand years, it doesn't make a whole lot of difference. But notice, notice the why. Notice the reason that Peter says Jesus hasn't returned yet. Verse 9. Well, the Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. As time keeps going on, and he hasn't returned yet, that's not a fault on God. That's his love. That's his patience. He's giving us time to repent, to, to turn our hearts from being called into this false sense of security to God and his promises. He's giving us time to, to reach out to others who have been lulled into a false sense of security and to turn them to God and to his promises. I mean, that was John the Baptist's job in our gospel today, right? Calling people to repent, to turn to God, to remember what God has said. Are you hearing this? Because there are so many things that we can get caught up with, right? Our, our work, our hobbies, our family's schedules, our Christmas preparations, our lives. And as time goes on and we don't see Jesus returning, we can start to live like those things are the priority. So look what Peter says, verse 10. The day of the Lord will come like a thief. And look at what he says happens then. Everything destroyed, heaven disappearing, earth melting. You see, that's the second misunderstanding that can lead to being lulled. Misunderstanding the permanence of what we see. I know gravity has been going on for a long time, right? We're kind of used to it. It just, it's there, right? When, when you set your foot down on the ground, you expect the ground to be there, right? To, to hold you up. You get used to that. The sun comes up every morning. You see it. It happens. The house that you sleep in seems pretty stable. You kind of expect it to be there tomorrow, right? <clears throat> Too often we forget what Jesus says. That there will come a time when all of that will be gone. I mean, when's the last time that you thought about 
all of that stuff, you know, the, the, the sun and, and gravity and, and your house, all of that one day being wiped away. It's probably been a bit since you've spent time thinking about that because you see it every day. You understand the temptation to get lulled into that false sense of security, just expecting that it's just going to keep on going the way it's always been and forgetting what God has actually said about it. So look at the question Peter asks, verse 11. Since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought you to be? You ought to live holy and godly lives as you look forward to the day of God and speed its coming. We think that the things we build will last. Right? The house, the, the um, 401k, the reputation you have at work, the relationships, the, the actual things you build. You know, maybe this church or the project you're working on in your backyard, whatever it is. Realizing that all of that will one day be completely gone, it changes how we view it, right? When we realize that it's all temporary, sure, we'll still build it, but we won't set our hearts on it, right? If you knew a banking firm were about to collapse tomorrow, you probably wouldn't put all your money in it today. If you knew that a house was condemned and going to be demolished tomorrow, you wouldn't run in there real quick and put a fresh coat of paint on. That would make no sense. So when you consider how we are acting and what should drive how we act, does it make any sense to let it be all the temporary things? Of course not. Instead, look at, look at what Peter says. He says, live lives that keep God in mind, holy and godly, looking forward to the day of God, speeding its coming. You see, that destroys any excuse for taking a financial shortcut or, or playing dirty at work. That destroys any motive to look for vengeance here, to hold a grudge. It removes, it silences all gossip. Because all of that stuff is just living for the, for the now, for the here, for the temporary things, for what will soon be gone. But today, God would have us living with what's eternal in mind, looking forward to the day of God and speeding its coming. Go back to the days of Noah. If they had believed what God told them, that the earth would be destroyed soon if they didn't repent. That would have affected how they acted, right? That, that, that wedding feast wouldn't have been such a big deal. They probably wouldn't have been talking about that at all. Instead, they would have been helping Noah finish up the ark instead of mocking him for it. So what does that say to us, to our day? Look at verse 13. But in keeping with his promise, we are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth where righteousness dwells. So then, dear friends, since you are looking forward to this, make every effort to be found spotless, blameless, and at peace with him. I know we aren't spotless, blameless, all that. Too often we live without this perspective. Too often we've been lulled. But Peter points to God's promise. That is a huge key in our efforts not to be lulled into that false sense of security. 
God has promised us a new heaven and a new earth where only righteousness dwells. And he's promised that to us. How can he promise us who are not always righteous? Righteousness? There's only one answer. Jesus. You see, we haven't been spotless. He was. We too often live lulled. We, 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 we miss what's really important. He never did. He kept his focus on that promise and was determined to, to fulfill that promise, living, perfectly obeying the law and perfectly paying the price the law demanded of us. So we get to look forward to a new heaven and a new earth where only righteousness dwells. So what does that mean for us now? How do we live? Peter says, let's make every effort to be found spotless, blameless, and at peace with him. In other words, let's live like his promise is true. Like he really is coming. Let's live like that is what matters. Let's live for the things that are eternal. And live the lives that God has given us. Lives of worship and praise to the one who has made such promises. You know, you're lucky this, this December we got a lot of opportunities to do that, to gather together and, and worship him. Take those opportunities. Make daily time in his word a, a, part of, a part of your life, that daily time to be reminded of his promises. Grab one of the, the Advent devotion books on the, the table in the gathering area there and use it. Cherish what, what a, a, a privilege and, and an opportunity we had this morning to witness the miracle of baptism and be reminded of your own. Remember what God has made you. And then seek to live more and more like his promise is true. That you are spotless, blameless, and at peace with him. In Christ, amen. Now may the peace of God that passes all understanding keep your hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus. Amen. Let's rise and confess our faith using the words of the Apostles' Creed printed on page 13 in the bulletin. <clears throat> I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From there he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. You may be seated as we take this opportunity to give our, our gifts of thanks and praise to God in the form of our offering. As the offering is gathered, please do fill out the friendship registers that are being handed down the aisle. As you put your information in there, it better allows us to do what God has called us together to do. Encourage one another on toward love and good deeds.
O come, O come, Emmanuel, and ransom captive Israel. Lord Jesus, you have promised that you will come again to redeem us, to take us back to yourself. Help us to keep our eyes on you and to see the life that you bring in the midst of our death. Lord, in your mercy. Come, Emmanuel, and rekindle our joy as we prepare to celebrate your first coming. Do not permit a frenzied busyness to rob us of your peace or to deprive us of times to ponder and to wonder at your word. Set our hearts apart from the bustle and the clamor and the jostle of these days. Fill us with the quiet delight of finding you in the manger. And keep hearts and minds undisturbed by the great, thing, the, the great throng that streams by uncaring. Lord, in your mercy. Lord God, during this holiday season, be with those who are lonely. Remind them of the family that you have created here and help us to demonstrate that love to those into whose lives you have put us. Help those who are struggling with health issues. Heal those who are sick. Bring comfort to those afraid. Protect them and provide for them in this time of need and throughout their lives. And most importantly, help their focus be on you that they may find joy in the midst of sadness, life in the midst of death. Lord, in your mercy. Especially today, dear Savior, we ask that you continue to be with Gail Cadwell as she recovers from heart surgery on Friday. Bless her, uh, strengthen her. If it is your will, uh, fix the issue and help her return to full health. Lord, in your mercy. And now hear us, Lord, as we bring you our private petitions. Look, he is coming with the clouds, and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him. The kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ, and he will reign forever and ever, King of kings and Lord of lords. In his name we pray all these things, and join to pray the prayer he taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Brothers and sisters, go in peace. Live in harmony with one another. Serve the Lord with gladness. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord look on you with favor and give you peace. Amen.